Today on Awaken to Grace, we're in part two of Luke chapter one, talking about Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth and how the angel Gabriel announces to them that in their old age, they are going to conceive and they're going to bear a son and they're going to name him John. Well, there are many, many principles that we are pulling from this text for our own lives. And the primary principle is that you and I, like Zachariah and Elizabeth, we can be right with God. We can be blameless before God. We can love God. We can be born again and yet have doubt and unbelief lying within our heart. You know, when Gabriel told Zachariah, you're going to have a son It revealed the unbelief in his life. So today we're going to find out how do we detect unbelief and how do we remove it from our lives. I'm so glad you're listening today. If today speaks to you, shoot me an email at pastorchadroberts at gmail.com. Well, let's get to God's Word today on this episode of Awakened to Grace. Now, not only were they righteous, not only were they blameless, not only were they advanced in years, and not only were they childless, but they were of the priestly order. Now, in these days, there were thousands of priests in Israel, and according to Chronicles, priests were divided into 24 divisions. And what was interesting about priests in these days, when they had the honor of going to the temple to serve, their division, as it says in verse 8... It came his division, it was his duty, his time of service. They served for two weeks out of the year in the temple. So this would have been a time that he would have packed his suitcase and left Elizabeth for a two-week period to travel to Jerusalem and to serve, to have the honor, the high honor of serving in the temple. Now you get to verse 9. Not only is he there to serve his two-week rotation for the year, but What they did in those days is they cast lots. In other words, they it would be our equivalent to drawing straws. Now, why did they do this? This was common practice in these days in Israel. Matter of fact, when Judas committed suicide and the disciples replaced him in Acts chapter 1 with Matthias, how did they choose him? Before the day of Pentecost and before the infilling of the Holy Spirit and before that day of Pentecost happened, they cast lots. Now, why do we not do that today? And we don't do that. Not in our church. When we decided to make Brett Tucker a pastor or Jared Wilson a pastor, when we decided to make uh, Daniel a deacon, we didn't draw straws. Why do we not do that? Because today we have the leading of the Holy Spirit within us. Our decisions are guided by the Holy Spirit. We don't just draw straws or cast lots or however you want to say it. But in these days, that's what they did. And they cast lots and he had the distinct honor. He had the privilege, the high privilege of serving in the temple to burn incense. Now, only the high priest could enter one time a year into the Holy of Holies to atone for sin. 
And do you know how serious of a matter it was for the high priest to enter into the Holy of Holies where the very Shekinah presence of God resided? Do you know, do you know what they would do? Only one man, only once a year, they would put bells on the bottom of his robe and they would listen. And if the bell stopped, you know what that meant? He wasn't right with God and he fell dead. Now who's going to go get him? <laughs> Who wants to volunteer for that role? So you know what they would do? Not only would they have bells on the bottom of his robe to listen, they would tie a rope around his ankle. And if he fell dead, they pulled him out. That's how serious of a thing the presence of God was. What if we treated the presence of God so serious in our lives? You know what happens to us? We become so familiar with God, we no longer have the right fear and the right reverence for the Lord in our day-to-day. -day. Amen. So, Zechariah, verse 9, has this high honor of going into the temple and serving and burning incense. Verse 10, the people are waiting on him. <laughs> Again, they know what a serious thing it is to be in this temple, and they're making their prayers. This is probably around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and the people are gathered, and it's prayer time, and they're waiting on Zechariah to come out. But God's going to have a message to give him, and look, look at it with me. Verse 11. Now, this is fascinating. An angel appeared. I love that. An angel appeared to Zechariah as he was serving the Lord. Isn't that fascinating? In verse 12, I don't know what you think your reaction of an angel would be. I don't know what you think you would do if an angel, if you literally had an encounter with an angel. But I tell you what happened most of the time in the Bible. Fear. <laughs> Fear. Look what it says, verse 12. He was troubled and fear fell upon him. And you know what? Seven times in the book of Luke, it's going to say, fear not. And 23 times he's going to talk about angels. Oh, they're all throughout the Bible. And Gabriel appears before Zechariah and says, fear not. God has sent me. Oh, I love that. I believe that's verse 13. God has, or, or, <clears throat> God has sent me, verses, I believe, uh, 13, 13 through 17. Why do I love that phrase, God has sent me? Because what did we read earlier? Hebrews 1.14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent from God? That echoes Hebrews 1.14. You know, out of the myriad upon myriad of angels, upon the innumerable, incalculable angels, do you know the Bible only records two actual names? It records Michael, who is the archangel. We see him warring in the Bible. We see him in the book of Daniel. We see him in the book of Revelation. And then, of course, who we're going to meet today, Gabriel. And what is Gabriel's role, as it would seem in Scripture? 
He is the angel that makes the announcements of God. And he's going to give Zechariah an unbelievable announcement. He's going to say, Zechariah, you're going to have a time of gladness, a time of rejoicing. By the way, the word rejoicing is recorded 19 times in the Gospel of Luke. It's a joyful book. And he's going to say, God is going to give you a son in your advanced years. And he's going to be a mighty prophet. He's going to come in the spirit of Elijah. And he's going to turn men's hearts back to God. He's going to save Israel. And he's telling him all these amazing things from verses 13 down to 17. And when you get down to verse 18, the unbelievable happens. Now you have to understand... Zechariah has the honor of his life to serve this capacity before the Lord. And God visits him with not just any angel. I'm talking the angel that helped Daniel. I'm talking the angel that he would have been familiar with based on the Old Testament scriptures. This is a big deal. And you know what Zechariah says? How do I know? You're talking about offensive. How do you know? Zechariah, an angel has appeared to you. The angel Gabriel, no less. The one that of all innumerable angels, he's one of two that we know his name. And Zechariah is not going to believe? Friends, do you know, listen today. Say amen if you're with me right now. Because this is the key principle to the whole day. Society looked down on Zechariah and Elizabeth. Society said they are childless and therefore they must have done something wrong against God. But in the reality, Luke tells us they were righteous people and they were blameless before God. Friends, these people were right with God. They were godly, righteous. They were a godly, righteous couple. But when we come to verse 18, let me tell you what this teaches me. And let me tell you what I want to show you in the text today. I believe that it is very possible to love God, to be right before him, to be a godly person, and yet unbelief be undetected in our lives. It is possible to read the word. It's possible to come to church every single week. It's possible to have a vibrant prayer life. It's possible to be in right standing with God, to be born again, to have your sins forgiven, and yet unbelief be found in your heart. It was true for Zechariah. Do you know what I think happened to Zechariah? I've, I've thought a world about this. And see, I've read a lot of commentaries on this. I've, I've followed some scholars who, who and this is what all of them say. They say, well, all Zechariah would have had to have done is look to Abraham and Sarah and say, well, if God did it for them, he could do it for me. But see, that, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I don't think Zechariah could just look to Abraham. Do you know why? I think Zechariah, I think if you would have asked him in the moment, he would have said, well, <laughs> You're talking about Abraham. No, I'm talking about me. I, I'm no Abraham. Do, do you not know where I'm from? I'm from the hill country. 
I'm nobody. And see, I think Luke is so deliberate and I think he's so intentional to say, here's King Herod, but here's nobody, Zechariah. And when the Bible announces to Zechariah this mighty miracle by this angel, Zechariah in his heart is saying, no, no, I don't. I think you got the wrong guy. Do you know why I think this? Listen, you should write this down. The word Elizabeth here in the text means God is my oath. The word Zechariah in this text means Jehovah remembers. You know what I think happened to Zechariah? While he was righteous and while he was blameless and while he was a priest and while he checked every box right. I think through the years... I think he grew in despair. I think even though he was a righteous man, I think in his heart of hearts, he stopped praying for a child. I think his attitude was, if God were going to remember me, because what's his name mean? Jehovah remembers. I don't want to read too much into the text, but I tell you how I feel. I feel like his very name pained his heart. And I feel like Zechariah, because he wouldn't believe the word of God, because he wouldn't believe the angel of God, because he had doubt in his heart, I think through the years that doubt grew. And I think Zechariah said, had God remembered me, he would have done it in my 30s. If God had remembered me, it would have been in my 40s or my 50s or my 60s, maybe even my 70s, but not now. No, you can't tell me that God's remembered me. Here's the whole point of the day. If you and I are not careful, we'll be born again. We'll be righteous with God. We'll check off all the boxes. But at the end of the day, life's disappointments will breed doubt and unbelief. And see, here's my point today. Scholars go, well, you should have looked to Abraham. But see, he's just Zechariah. He's no Abraham. He's from the hill country, for crying out loud. He's from the boondocks. He's nobody. And you know what I think happens in our life? The same trap. Well, who am I? Who am I that God would hear me? Who am I that God would do a miracle? Who am I that God's paying any attention? You know what Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1? It's absolutely fascinating. If, If I were to say, is your faith equal to that of Peter's? How many of us would go, uh, no. What about the great apostle John? Is your faith equal to, no. What about Paul? Are you kidding me, Chad? But yet, do you know what? Peter wrote? Look look at it. It's 2 Peter chapter 1. I can't remember if it's verses 1, 2, or 3. Let's say it's between verses 1 and 3. You can fact check me. A blind pastor can't. (laughs) I got a lot locked up in the vault, but (laughs) sometimes the combination gets a little wonky. (laughs) It's 2 Peter 1. First few verses. Peter says... 
that we have, did we find it? What verse is it? Somebody found it, I guarantee it. No? Is it verse one? It says that we have a faith, listen to this, of equal standing to that of the apostles. Now, Peter doesn't say your faith is of equal standing because of your good works or because of your good intentions or because of your knowledge of Scripture or because of this or that. Why is our faith of equal standing to the apostles? He tells us because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, say amen if you're with me because here's my point. Unbelief should never be accepted in our lives. See, like Zechariah, we could say, well, I'm no Abraham. Well, I'm a nobody. I'm from nowhere. I'm not all that important. And if you're not careful, let me tell you what you'll do. You'll allow unbelief to remain in your life. And let me tell you, for a child of God, it ought to be unacceptable. When the Holy Spirit shines the light on unbelief, let me tell you, we are to resist it. We are to fight it. We are to rebuke it. We are to get it out of our life as soon as as we can. But no, what's the temptation? The temptation is to say, but who am I? I'm nobody. I'm just average. I'm below average. Why does it matter? Friends, God does not accept unbelief. And if God would not accept it in his mighty apostles, God doesn't accept it in our lives. Us who have equal standing, equal faith to theirs. Am I making any sense today? Is there unbelief in your life? Is there doubt in your heart? The book of James verse one says that a man who doubts in his heart should not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. Why? Because God will not honor doubt. So here Zechariah is, verse number 18. He says, well, how will I know this is true? And Gabriel, oh my, was not the reaction Gabriel wanted. And he says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. (laughs) What what an irony. Here Zechariah is standing in the holy place, burning incense. You know, what, you know what Gabriel's saying? You think you're something because you're... No, I stand in the presence of God. And because you wouldn't believe my word, you'll be mute. <laughs> and God struck the man with muteness. He comes out of the temple unable to speak... Everyone knew he had seen a vision, something big had happened, and he could not say a word. You know what? God was not going to let him speak against the miracle that was going to take place in his life. Zechariah finishes out his two-week duty. That must have been a long two weeks. Can you imagine? Can you imagine every time he went to burn incense, he thought, oh, man, Gabriel's going to come back. He's going to wear me out. And here he is, he can't say a word. And after that two weeks, he goes home, back to the hill country, back to Elizabeth. 
He gets on Amazon and orders what to expect when expecting and <laughs> opens a registry at Target of the Hill Country. And <sighs> What I want to know is how did he communicate to Elizabeth that we're going to have a baby? He must have been smooth because he couldn't communicate, but they ended up having a baby. So I don't know how he did that, but it was good, whatever he did. Because the Bible says, the Bible says, verses 21 to 25, then Elizabeth conceived. <laughs> Forget being a smooth talker. He was just smooth all the way around. And so, must have had good music or something. I don't know. And so, so you drop down the verse 57. And nine months go by. <laughs> nine months have passed. And sure enough, the first Baptist is born, John the Baptist. I'm kidding. You know that's not what that means. But John the Baptist is born. What a proud father. What a mighty miracle. What a great thing the Lord did. And then, you know what happened in verse 64? They go to circumcise him on the eighth day, and it was at the time of circumcision that you gave him his official name. Well, in those days, you named based on your family lineage. And they look at Elizabeth, and they say, okay, what's his name? And she goes, John. And they go, what? There's no John in your family lineage. So they're like, well, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She look, they look to dad, and they say, well, what's his name? Well, guess what? He can't speak. And you can read it. Verse 63, he asked for a writing tablet. I would have loved to have seen a writing tablet in those days. What do you think it looked like? And I wonder if it was called iStone. I mean, it had to have been slick, right? And he takes this writing tablet and he writes, his name shall be John. And bam, obedience comes into his heart. And what happens? His mouth opens and his tongue loosens. And you know what comes out of that man? <laughs> out of nine months of chastisement, out of nine months of discipline, you know what comes out of his mouth? Nothing but praise to God. The man goes praising God and prophesying. You know what the principle is, my friend? There may be doubt in your life today. And quite frankly... You may be in a season of chastisement. You may be in a place where the Lord is disciplining you right now. <laughs> Hebrew says, the Lord chastens those whom he loves. The Lord disciplines sons and daughters. Don't despise that. But see, here's the principle. God's chastening doesn't last forever. Amen. Here's the point of today. There's angelic activity going on all around you, whether you see it or you don't. But see, here's the real point. Don't allow unbelief in your life. The moment you detect unbelief, the moment the Holy Spirit reveals unbelief, attack it with all that you have.
If you enjoyed today's broadcast and would like to hear more great content, you can always download our free mobile app, Awaken to Grace, where you can request prayer, find sermons, articles, blogs, music, podcast, as well as support us financially. You can also visit either of our websites at www.preachingchristchurch.com or www.awakentograce.com for more information about our church or our resource ministry. Thank you for listening to Awaken to Grace.